Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. I hope you're all having a fantastic day today, and I hope you're all buckled up, taking your shoes off, getting ready to sit down and relax, because we're going to go through a couple of players as of today that are bigger names that you recognize, that you know, that I'm just going to completely be fading in drafts as of their current ADP, their current average draft position. And that's what this is all about. It's always based on ADP. If players like the one behind me and the players that we're going to get into in this video were to drop a round or two rounds or into at least where I have them currently ranked and where I would like to be taking them, then obviously I will take them. But based on my personal rankings and based on where the current ADP is, these players, especially the one behind me, I will never get to in a hundred years. And really it doesn't matter for a hundred years. It matters for this specific year. I'm not getting there. So I hope you're all having a fantastic day. Take a quick second because this big old subscription button's about to pop up, hit that, hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, and the like button. If you've seen any of my content before and you've never done that yet, please do do that. It allows me to reach more people. It is probably how I was able to reach you. Now, let me know in the comments down below the question of the day today. Would you rather own the past two MVP quarterbacks is what this question is. Would you rather own Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson for the 2020 fantasy football season? Just a standard PPR scoring league, no super flex, nothing like that. Who would you rather own at your quarterback? They're right now the unanimous and the consensus number one and number two quarterbacks in rankings. So let me know that in the comments below. Take a second to do that and take a second to hit the subscribe button, all of that stuff. So I'm going to get into about four players and I'm going to tell you about pretty much their backgrounds, why I'm thinking based on some team changes, based on just natural regression, why I think these players are biggest fades. And really the biggest one is really where their average draft position is, players that are overhyped, where I think they maybe settle in at and just why I'm not going to get there and what the leverage is in not getting there, what the leverage is in waiting for that specific player's position later in the draft and how that strategy is going to kind of play into not taking these players where they currently are being drafted and not having any interest in doing so. Take your shoes off, get all relaxed. There's a bunch of free stuff in the description below. Top 50 rankings, signing up for the draft guide. All that stuff is free to do. There's some other strategy guides. Check it all out. Let's get into this video, starting with the MVP from last year, the guy who was breaking records left and right and breaking ankles left and right, Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar Jackson. Last year, Lamar Jackson was pretty much free. You can get him in your 11th or 12th round. Go back to my must draft videos, the top value videos. I'm pretty sure Lamar Jackson was my number one value on the entire season. And a lot of sharp folks in the fantasy football community, the analytics side of it, really we're seeing this coming. You have an efficiency standpoint that is miles ahead of Patrick Mahomes on a per touch basis because of your rushing upside. You're going to do well in fantasy football if you just stay healthy. And he blew out of the water everybody's expectations with winning the MVP, rushing for over 1,200 yards and leading the entire league in passing touchdowns. Absolutely insane season. He threw for over 3,100 yards. He had those 36 touchdowns on a 9% touchdown rate, which is just historic. It was better than Patrick Mahomes MVP season from two years ago on his touchdown rate when he threw 50 touchdowns and he ran for 80.9 yards per game and up being over 1,200 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. He accounted for 43 total touchdowns in the Baltimore Ravens offense. An offense that, although he led the league in touchdowns, threw the dead last amount of times per game in the entire league. They were 32nd in passing plays per game at 29.3, and he still led the league in passing touchdowns because of just how many plays they actually got off and how quick they were playing. He saw 1.8 red zone carries per game. He was number two in true passer rating. Where he started to struggle was 23rd in deep ball completion and 17 in play action passing. He wasn't that accurate, especially in those aspects, but he didn't have to be because the run game and his threat of mobility opened up so many things underneath for him. He was the number one player in fantasy points per game at 27.8. And here's where things start to get a little concerning for me. Obviously, Lamar Jackson was great last year. I love him. You probably enjoyed watching him. He broke tons of records. He was the MVP. He was a fantastic story to see. And he really did improve as a fantasy player, but a real life player as well. This is very similar to what we saw from Patrick Mahomes. Not necessarily the run for 1200 yards, be this joystick type of a, a, a video game quarterback in Lamar Jackson, but Patrick Mahomes lit the NFL on fire, accounting for over 50 touchdowns in his MVP season two years ago. He had an 
percent touchdown percentage in terms of how many of his attempts actually accounted in ending up being a passing touchdown. Lamar Jackson's was 9%. These are not sustainable numbers. Patrick Mahomes last year went down to a 5.4%. It doesn't matter that he missed a few games. That is a percentage of how many attempts he saw. His percentages went down because of natural regression. You're just not going to take that high up. Also, just prevent defenses in the red zone started to account for his abilities. More people watching more tape on him. So we saw Patrick Mahomes go from averaging 26 fantasy points per game two years ago, led the entire league in his MVP season, to then last year being fifth and really right next to a bunch of guys in the high teens with 20 fantasy points per game. And that's all fun and dandy. But last year, Patrick Mahomes was starting to get drafted in the second and third round of fantasy football standard league redraft formats. And that was a complete and a complete mistake because guys that were getting drafted in the, the 10th, the 11th round were pretty much averaging just one fantasy point per game less than what Patrick Mahomes produced last year per game. So you're just drafting for what happened in the previous year, even though those are not sustainable numbers. Lamar Jackson leading the league in rushing at the quarterback position is probably likely. Him going for 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns every year is unlikely, even if he was to stay healthy. And the other thing that's unlikely about it is, well, one, people just are going to start watching film on him and learn a little bit more. But number two is he's not going to lead the league in touchdown passes when his team throws was the dead last amount of times in the league. So that 9% touchdown rate is definitely due to regress. Lamar scored a little bit over 27 fantasy points per game last year. If he was to regress and just see the touchdown numbers come down and the rushing stats come down just slightly, maybe he gets only a thousand yards this year, right? He still has a thousand yard rushing season as a quarterback. Insane. What if he only ends up scoring 22 fantasy points per game? Right now, Lamar Jackson is being drafted in the second round of drafts. His ADP, as I looked this morning, is the second round of drafts. That's all fun and dandy. My first quarterback off the board is Lamar Jackson. He is my 63rd ranked player in my overall top 150 right now from the Baltimore Ravens. He's ranked 63rd. That makes him at the beginning of a sixth round pick for me. So there's no way I'm getting to Lamar Jackson. And it has really nothing to do with Lamar Jackson himself. It has to do with just the strategy of drafting a quarterback. If Lamar Jackson is indeed due to regress, like we've seen from every single player who puts up these types of touchdown efficiency numbers, whether it's what Russell Wilson, whether it's Patrick Mahomes in recent memory, even Aaron Rodgers, if he's due for that, well, then he's going to be starting to perform somewhere around still maybe a top five quarterback. But the gap between the fifth quarterback and the 13th quarterback is usually like two fantasy points per game or even less than that. And you can get that 13th quarterback in like the final rounds of your NFL drafts. Other things to just bring up was they lost Hayden Hurst. They really didn't do much to improve their offense. They lost Yanda, one of the best offensive linemen in the entire league to retirement. What they did in the draft was get a slot guy, Devin Duvernay. And then they also picked up a couple of offensive linemen, notably Tyree Phillips in the third round to try and fill in for Yanda. But they did nothing on offense. They lost Hayden Hurst. So it's not like they improved much. They had the rookie Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown last year, a guy who only came into the league at 100. 66 pounds who dealt with injuries for half the season last year and put up some numbers, but he's a burner. He's not a true alpha number one, a jump ball guy for you. Now, Mark Andrews, their tight end, a top five fantasy tight end last year on only 43% of his uh, snaps being actually played is that guy for them. And a lot of his plays were schemed to be wide open. He's that athletic fixture for them. This is not an offense that's going to sustain a guy to throw the most touchdown passes in the league. If If Lamar Jackson regresses to 28 touchdown passes this year and loses eight of them, even if he keeps the same rushing stats, but he ends up losing 100 yards, you're now dumping off another 100 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. That's going to drop him immensely and not make him a second round pick by any means. And even if you told me that really nothing changes for Lamar Jackson, nothing at all, you think he still rushes for 1200 yards. You think he still scores 43 touchdowns and has a 9% touchdown percentage. If you think all that still happens, I still don't want to be taking him in the mid second round where guys that are coming off the board are elite style running backs. When you can get Patrick Mahomes in the third round, when you can start to get Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray in the fourth and fifth rounds of your drafts, where a lot of people start to take those guys where their fantasy points per game might be off from Lamar Jackson 
positions by the end of the year by three fantasy points. Meanwhile, the second round running backs compared to the fifth and sixth round running backs, their fantasy points per game are going to differ by potentially eight to 12 fantasy points per game. It's absolutely insane. You're starting to draft backup running backs at that point compared to top town elite wide receivers and running backs. So Lamar Jackson for me is going to be somebody that I just do not get to at this point because of just the natural aggression that is coming his way. And he's just being overdrafted. Again, he is my number one quarterback off the board. I would not touch a quarterback. And right now my my number one quarterback is Lamar and he's ranked 63rd overall for me. In a 10 team fantasy format, that would be the third pick of the seventh round. In a 12 team, which is starting to become the standard, that would be the third pick of the sixth round. So you can tell that there's no way I'm spending a second, a third, or even a fourth or a fifth round pick on Lamar Jackson this season. So I don't feel as strongly as I do about Lamar Jackson fading him because I, I have my average draft position four rounds later for him, according to my rankings. But DeAndre Hopkins seems to be a guy in the first round that I'm just not getting to. And I have the opportunities to get to him at points. And then I just end up going for a running back or a couple of running backs that are still on the board at that point that a lot of people would rather have DeAndre Hopkins. And I love DeAndre Hopkins. I personally think DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in all of football when you take into account his pure talent and what he's done with the entire quarterback arsenal that he's had in his entire career, especially before Deshaun Watson. I mean, Hopkins last year played 100% of the snaps. He read all, led all wide receivers in just snap participation. So 150 targets, which was tied for fifth in the NFL and a 30.9% target share, which was second only to Michael Thomas. And that's the thing that concerns me the most. Your target share is your opportunities, how many targets you see compared to the other people in your offense. You have a guy switching teams now who is still ranked as a top five wide receiver for me, number four overall, but he's being drafted as a top seven, top six, top eight fantasy option this year. To me, he's not an extreme difference like four rounds later, but I have him overall ranked 12th right now, and it's just not allowing me to get to him. I'm pretty much only taking DeAndre Hopkins if I'm there at the 12th pick and then have the turn at the 13th pick, and I can just snag two players back to back. Hopkins would be one of them. That usually is not the case for me right now. He's not falling past like the eighth or ninth slot. He's usually getting drafted in some cases ahead of Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, all these other running backs that are next to him. And there's just no way that I can actually do that and feel good about it. Last year, Arizona threw the 17th most times per game at 37.8 per contest. Kyler Murray was ninth in attempts in the NFL, 33.9. So that's all good to see. 232 yards per game. He's only going to get better as the years go on into his second year. 20 touchdown passes, third in money throws, takes into account his athleticism. And he actually did throw deep often, top 10 in deep targets per game and deep attempts at 4.4. Hopkins was really their only free agent addition outside of just the transition tag on Kenyon Drake, who they got last year, and bringing back Larry Fitzgerald, the GOAT himself, to a one-year contract for $11 million. Outside of losing just David Johnson and Demir Bird, Johnson ended up going to the Texans in the trade for DeAndre Hopkins, Demir Bird to the Patriots as a free agent. They didn't really lose much, and they improved their offensive line with Josh Jones, a tackle out of Houston, with a first-round caliber talent in the third round of the NFL draft. But where he's currently being drafted, he is an alpha receiver in his skill set. He's no longer in a situation where you can rely on his alpha 30% target share. If DeAndre Hopkins was to dip to a 25% target share this year, which is still good, it's going to impact his numbers dramatically. I mean, we're starting to talk about one to two targets per game going out the window for him, and that adds up to somewhere between 25, 30 targets on the season. 25 to 30 targets ends up in red zone targets, ends up in touchdowns, obviously receiving yards, just receptions in general, and an 80 to 90% catch rate for a guy like Hopkins, even if it was an 80% catch rate, you start to get in a situation where you're just losing right off the bat 15 to 20 fantasy points in PPR formats, not even counting the receptions or touchdowns, not even counting the receiving yards or touchdowns. And there's a lot of mouths to feed. Last year, Christian Kirk just missing three games, played on 99% of the snaps. He saw 68 receptions on over 105 targets, 108 to be exact, three touchdowns, 709 yards. That was with missing three games. He saw a commanding target share of 24.5%. Shirley Hopkins is probably going to reduce Christian Kirk's target share, but if he only reduces it from 24% to 20%, is that really going to impact Kirk as much as it probably impacts Hopkins going from 31% to maybe now 25, 26%? Then bringing back Larry Fitzgerald doesn't bode well for him either. Although Larry Fitzgerald likely comes off the field more, he did play 84% of the snaps last year and he saw 109 targets his way, which was 20.6% of the target share. Now let's say Larry Fitzgerald just goes down to 15%. 
even if he's at 15% as the third option in your passing game, that's still a strong chunk. A lot of players, Devontae Adams, look at Devontae Adams, look at Michael Thomas. A lot of these elite wide receivers, they're only seeing another wide receiver or another pass catcher in their core seeing 15%. If one of them, if two guys are now in there seeing 15 plus percent and one is pushing 20%, whether it's Kirk or Fitzgerald this year, that surely impacts the opportunity, not only on the field in general, but especially in the red zone where Hopkins thrives for him this year. And then you start to get into the fact that Kenyon Drake was seeing over five targets per game from Kyler Murray last year once he was traded mid-season and he was ending up bringing in around four plus receptions per game. And that's also going to impact the way that they attack this offense and go downfield. Texans, although they had Duke Johnson last year and Lamar Miller in the previous years with DeAndre Hopkins being there, they never used these pass catching running backs efficiently and properly. And Kenyon Drake immediately was used properly last year in this Cliff Kingsbury offense, which is also going to affect the overall target share of DeAndre Hopkins. So again, if he's there at the 12th or 13th pick in the draft and I get back-to-back picks, sure, I'll snag Hopkins for just his overall upside and security. But there are questions that make me say, no, I don't want to be taking him right now ahead of Joe Mixon, ahead of Nick Chubb in drafts, ahead of Michael Thomas and Julio Jones and Adams and even and even Derrick Henry at this point. And he's very close for me for Tyree Kill and Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake. All those players are very close. I currently have Hopkins as 12th overall in my top 150, including every single position, but it's very easy for me to move him down to 15th or 16th and just bump up guys like Tyree Kill, like Chris Godwin, like Miles Sanders, like Kenyon Drake. So there's a good chance Hopkins end up being like a top 15 pick for me. I currently have him at 12th, but his average ADP right now is currently going somewhere around the top 10. And he's just not getting to me in any of these drafts. Love Hopkins, but I'm just not ending up getting to him in the first round. I prefer to have another wide receiver who does not have as much competition and is not in as much of uncertain times in terms of his teams changing or an elite running back. Before we get into the third player, real quick, Monkey Knife Fight, the logo up above, the promotion down below. It's a player prop site. So if you think DeAndre Hopkins is going to do more than 77 yards and they say that's the over under and you put the over, you win some money. If you put the under, you win some money. So it's a player prop site. If you want to get some more action down on whatever sports are currently in season, if it is football, if you want to get some action down and play some stuff over there on Monkey Knife Fight. They're the fastest growing fantasy operating site and just sports betting operating site in North America. Third behind only DraftKings and Fandle, if you ever heard of them. So right now, Monkey Knife Fight is doing a promotion. If you do a minimum deposit of 10 bucks, they'll give you 150% deposit match, $15 using the promo code Vetri or the link down below. You can put it up to $50 and they'll give you $55 back. So 100% deposit match up to 50 bucks plus $5 on top. What are you waiting for? Go gamble. Go have some fun. Go take the over on all DeAndre Hopkins props if you really want to, because life's too short to bet the under. Let's get back into the video. Yeah. So I just want absolutely nothing to do with James Conner right now. And his average draft position has been sinking a little bit, but James Conner in the past two seasons has missed nine games. He missed six games last year alone with an AC joint sprain and then a quad bruise ended up adding an additional game onto that. And then he missed three games in 2018 due to an ankle injury. When he was active last year, he played on 54% of the snaps. So just over hundred carries, 116 to be exact for 464 yards and seven touchdowns. Caught 34 of his 39 targets for 251 yards, and he averaged 1.9 red zone attempts per game. I love the story, right? Beating cancer, coming out of Pitt. I love that story in general, getting to go from Pitt University to just staying in Pittsburgh and playing there in the exact same stadium. But he was drafted in the third round, and the only reason he ended up making an immediate impact was because of Le'Veon Bell holding out. Now, this was never a a fantastic, um, skilled player, athletically gifted player compared to most NFL running backs. I mean, he ran a 4.65 coming out. His burst score, his speed score, his agility score, all these things were some of the worst in the entire NFL draft out of the running back position. So he ends up going to just one of the best offensive lines at that time and probably one of the best run blocking systems in Pittsburgh that just build one wide receiver twos, but two running backs, they fit the system so well for what they want to do. So he gets a ton of opportunity. He's able to flash some pass catching ability in the first half of that year during his rookie year, and he just lands himself the job. But really since then, he has not done much. And including last year, those 10 games, he ranked 39th in the league in true yards per carry at 3.9. He ranked 32nd in breakaway percentage. How many times he was breaking off 10 to 15 
15-plus yard runs. He was 26th in yards created, which means he was not breaking tackles. He was solely dependent on his offensive line that started to suffer last year compared to previous years, ranked 23rd overall. And this is a real kicker. 46th among the running backs in fantasy points per opportunity. That's taking into account your receptions. That's taking into account your rushing attempts. So he was 46th overall, meaning that he just wasn't scoring touchdowns, number one. But two, he just was not creating anything for himself, either after the catch or after contact. The Steelers have been paying attention because they drafted fourth round running back Anthony McFarlane after taking a fourth round running back Benny Snell last year, who did not pan out at all for them and is likely a cut candidate at this point on the second year of his rookie contract. Benny Snell is only guaranteed $700,000 out of his $3.2 million on that four-year deal. He's very much in position to be getting cut after the draft pick of Anthony McFarlane. And McFarlane's two years, 23 games at Maryland was fantastic. 245 carries, over 1,600 yards. He had 13 touchdowns. He caught 24 of 37 targets for 199 yards. And everything that he does fits the build of an athlete in the NFL in terms of his burst score, his speed, his agility, his bench press, all those things coming out of the combine that actually measure up to being just a, a suitable running back. So I do think that Anthony McFarlane is going to push James Conner this year. I am not taking James Conner anywhere in these drafts. He's my running back 21 right now, and I have him ranked 47th overall. So James Conner is currently being drafted as I record this video in the mid to late third rounds. For me personally, I would not be touching him until the mid to late fifth rounds, which means he's never going to end up being there. I'd rather just get the guy who I think is going to replace him at some point this year or be in a timeshare with him for a good chunk of the year and Anthony McFarlane. I do know Jalen Samuels is also back there. Jalen Samuels, I would also argue is a cut candidate. I do think Jalen Samuels probably makes the cut, but I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't. He's due no more guaranteed money. In the final two years of his contract, he's only due 1.6 million dollars. The rookie who was a former tight end in college has not been a good running back. He's been absolutely terrible on the ground. And the Steelers are not used to having inefficient and ineffective running backs on the ground for them, right? Le'Veon Bell for so many years was fantastic. James Conner, Benny Snell last year, Jalen Samuels the last two years have been absolutely atrocious on the ground in terms of efficiency. And once last year, the offensive line broke down a little bit and Big Ben was out of there. Their running backs really folded. They showed that they had no talent at all. And now Anthony McFarlane is here to save the day. So yeah, at the current draft position, I would not be taking James Conner. I personally believe that Aaron Jones is one of, if not the most underrated running back in the entire NFL. But this year, I will not be drafting him. After last year, he was a must-own running back for me. This year, he is a do-not draft. If you have not watched that video, go ahead, check it out. I'll probably throw a little picture up after this one but I just do not want him. He's a big name after tying Christian McCaffrey last year with 19 total touchdowns. He was a fantastic option. He was a deadly weapon in the red zone for the Packers. And even in the passing game during a four game stretch when Devontae Adams had to take a seat with turf toe. In his 16 games last year, he ended up playing all of them. He was healthy. 63% of the snaps, 236 carries for over a thousand yards, 19 rushing touchdowns or 19 total touchdowns is ridiculous. 49 receptions on 69 targets for 474 yards. He had 285 receptions plus carries. He was ranked 10th overall at 16.8 opportunities per game. Ended up being first in touchdowns tied with McCaffrey. He was third in fantasy points per game at 19.7. He was number four in evaded tackles with 89. So this guy can create yards on his own and that's proven with his sixth in yards created last year. And he was running behind an offensive line that was top 10 unit. They did lose some pieces, namely Brian Balaga, but they were eighth ranked last year in the offensive line blocking department. So a couple of reasons I'm concerned about Aaron Jones is obviously he had the 19 touchdowns last year. That's just not going to be repeatable. Throwing that Jamal Williams had a couple of touchdowns behind him. Their running backs alone between the two of them had 25 touchdowns last year. That is not something that is repeatable. So naturally his touchdown rate, if it's going to regress from what it was last year, an insane, insane touchdown rate just to begin with, and I'll be popping it up on the screen. If that's going to regress and the man only scores, let's say a good year, 10 touchdowns, that's a very good year. If he stays healthy, 10 touchdowns this year, you're automatically knocking off 54 fantasy points from his total. He goes from being a top three running back to barely cracking inside the top 10 at the running back position. And that's not even taking away his above average pass catching 
role that he had last year. That's not even taking into account what the Packers did in the NFL draft. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are on the final years of their contracts. There's a really good chance that at least one of them won't be back. And there's at least a decent chance that both of them might not be back next year. The Packers in the second round reached on a on a fullback, which we'll call a running back in AJ Dillon during his time in Boston College, 845 carries. He was just an absolute workhorse, but he only had 21 receptions. He would have been nice to have as sort of a Brandon Jacobs, the former giant back in the day, if indeed this was 2002 or 2004. But in today's NFL, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Packers also drafted a fullback in the third round. They drafted a bunch of offensive linemen, three straight in the sixth round. And it seems like Matt LaFleur has recency bias to want to be the 49ers because that's who he lost to twice and got blown out at the end of the year last year. And he's missing out on Derrick Henry when he actually left the Titans. They got better and Derrick Henry became a monster. He's saying, hmm, here's Derrick Henry Jr. Although AJ Dillon has nowhere near the power, the breakaway speed and the speed in general as Derrick Henry. But I'm just concerned in general. So even if they didn't take AJ Dillon, even if their draft wasn't so suspect in general towards Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones and this offense, I still would not want to be taking Aaron Jones. I currently have Aaron Jones ranked as my RB 14. That puts him as the 28th overall ranked player on my board during drafts. That means that I would start to take him towards the end of the third round, middle to end of the third round. He's currently being drafted as the 15th to 16th player off the board, which means he's getting taken in the mid second round. I'm probably not going to be getting there. I'd rather be taking Josh Jacobs. I'd rather be taking Miles Sanders. I'd rather be taking Austin Eckler, DJ Moore, Juju, even Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the rookie from the Chiefs, I'd rather have over Aaron Jones this season. So my biggest concerns are just the pre-draft comments that you got out of Matt LaFleur saying that, oh, no, 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 we do not think Aaron Jones can handle a full load. We want Jamal Williams, and I think we might need a third guy. And that's exactly what he did by getting A.J. Dillon, who really does profile out as a guy who, if they use him this year, and I expect them to as a second round pick, he'll go in there for short down usage, and he'll go in there at the red zone a couple of times. If A.J. Dillon starts to come in and snag up three to four touchdowns, and that's directly pulling from Aaron Jones, and then normal touchdown regression snags up a another uh, four to five to six touchdowns. And now Aaron Jones is in this position where he's going to score eight to 12 touchdowns as a guy who won his opportunities at the peak of last year, only just barely rushed for a thousand yards. I'm concerned to be taking this guy as either my RB one or my RB two this year. I think there's better options back there that are not dealing with two running backs in their backfields and a coach that's an absolute donkey. So I'll give you three honorable mentions quickly. Not going to really do a deep dive on them, but other guys that very similar to Hopkins, I'm fine getting them if they drop like five more spots to me, but guys like Derrick Henry, Keenan Allen, and Tyler Lockett. Derrick Henry, right now is my seventh ranked running back. I do think he's a great pick. I think he's a top 12 pick, but if I'm on the board at sixth, seventh overall, I find myself more so going to Joe Mixon, who I've ranked ahead of him, find myself more so going to Julio, Devontae Adams, some of these other wide receivers. And even then I'm still considering taking guys like Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders ahead of Derrick Henry. Keenan Allen, I have a lot of concerns in general. He was breaking records last year to start the season with targets per game and through the first four. He ended up being a top five wide receiver, but he really fell off a cliff over the last second half of the year, ranking outside the top 20 in wide receivers for the second half of the year. And now he loses his trusted quarterback. So some concerns there. And then Tyler Lockett is being drafted right now ahead of DK Metcalf. I would just rather have DK Metcalf at this point based on draft positions. Tyler Lockett is my 42nd ranked overall player, my wide receiver 19. His teammate DK Metcalf, I do have behind him, but in terms of the value, I'm definitely going to be getting to DK more so. I have DK Metcalf ranked as my wide receiver 26, and I have him ranked as my 55th overall player on the board. At that type of draft position, I will be getting to way more DK Metcalf this season than Tyler Lockett. That does not mean I'm taking DK Metcalf over Tyler Lockett and reaching for him. It means that based on where I'm drafting my players, DK Metcalf will be on the board when I want him. Tyler Lockett is just never going to be on the board at the spot that I have him ranked. So that's where I'm at right now. Those are four deep dives, a couple of honorable mentions on big name fades. Who are some of your big name fades? And let me know the question of the day, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes for the fantasy football 2020 season. You can check out all the free stuff in the description below, the top 50 rankings. Big old subscribe button is about to pop up on the screen. So be sure to check that one out. Hit the notification bell, hit the like button. Let me know where you think I'm just absolutely ludicrous on this. These are my opinions. I'm trying to back them up with clear cut evidence and data and filtering through a ton of information. We're not always going to agree on things. So let me know where you think I got some things wrong and let me know 
know who are your big name fades for the 2020 season as of today. Thank you, everybody. Peace out and have a great rest of your day.